Hi everyone, I'm Marquita Harris, Work and Money Editor for Essence, and welcome to Unbossed, a podcast for entrepreneurs, self-starters, and women who are about their business. So, mentorship is definitely an evergreen buzzword, but how often do we really get to dig into those crucial steps that can really be a bridge for career success? Today, you'll hear from a roster of women who have not only benefited from having stellar mentors, but these women have paid it forward, they've guided the next generation of go-getters, and let's just re-emphasize, they are paying it forward. First, you'll hear from two champions of the corporate world, Vicki Chancellor, the president of McDonald's Operators National Advertising Fund, and Elizabeth Campbell, McDonald's Senior Director of Marketing and Cultural Engagement. As you soon hear, their journeys with the company have been full of helping hands and wise counsel, and these women have a strong commitment to being of service to those around them. After my conversation with Vicki and Elizabeth, stick around as I chat with entrepreneur Mary Blackford. Mary is the creator of Market 7 DC. Market 7 is a community marketplace in Washington DC that aims to alleviate the food and retail deserts in Ward 7. And this woman is a winner of Pine Saw's Build Your Legacy grant. Y'all, she just won $150,000 to take her business to the next level. So you know I got questions, and I'm sure you will too. Joining Mary and I are Cassandra Lewis, brand manager of Pine Saw, and Shantae Mears Watkins, VP of Marketing for Clorox. Both women have been champions for succession, corporate growth, and entrepreneurship amongst Black women for years. Uh, they were also integral in shaping this whole Build Your Legacy initiative that ultimately gave Mary and a few other female entrepreneurs this major opportunity. All of these stories are just living proof that lifting up others is the key ingredient for personal success. Okay. Enough of me cheering from the sidelines. It's time to hear from them yourself. Take a listen. Hi, everyone. It's Marquita Harris, uh, Work and Money Editor for Essence. And I'm sitting here with two amazing women. Uh, and I'm so thrilled to talk to these ladies. I'm here with Vicki Chancellor, Chair-Elect of the McDonald's Operators National Advertising Fund. And I'm also here with Elizabeth Campbell, the Senior Director of Marketing and Cultural Engagement at McDonald's. How are you ladies doing? These titles, a, a mouthful. <laughs> How are you both? <laughs> Wonderful. Excited to be here. Great, great. I'm so thrilled to dig into this conversation. So for those out there who have no idea you know, what you do. Can you kind of briefly dig into that? Starting with Vicki, please. Sure. Thank you, Marquita. Um, and just one correction. I used to be chair-elect, but I've actually, as of January 2020, oh, oh. I am now the official chair of the um, of OpNed, which is oh. a marketing fund for um, the owner operators at McDonald's. And basically I am able to work with the operators, also work with my partners, such as Elizabeth and McDonald's corporate partners to um, design programs that we put on the air, creative um, advertising commercials, and also use the fund to drive business so that we can put money in the pockets of owner operators and market share for the brand. 
Oh, wow. And thank you for that fact check and congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and Elizabeth, how about you? Sure, but I have to brag about Vicky a little bit because yeah. she's being very humble. She is being very humble. Um, Vicky has a unique role that she has the opportunity to shape the way McDonald's is going to show up um, from an owner operator perspective and from a marketing perspective, not only today, but in the future to come. So she is very forward thinking. She is very revolutionary. Um, and she really is the woman who is sitting at the top and who is actually guiding us in terms of where we're going in the future. So kudos to you, Vicky, as you're trying to be humble. She is she is a strong woman and she's doing amazing things. So I just had to throw that little plug in there for her. I love, you know, I, I love that you're advocating for her with her in the room, you know, just like giving the receipts. That's what that's I'm all about that. So thank so, you. Yes. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> so in my role in marketing, I have the opportunity to partner with Vicki as well as the other owner operators. Um, and my job in cultural engagement is really looking at a couple of pillars in terms of how we shape the voice of McDonald's moving forward. So whether it's through social media, which I own, um, through our activation, through our multicultural marketing, as well as some of the content creative that we put forward. So I have a lot of fun of, of working with our agency and with Vicki. Got it. Got it. So while you both, of course, you both work for McDonald's, um, it's clear that you do very different things. What came first on this professional path that you're on now? The interest in your industry or like the passion for your skills? Um, do you want to start, Elizabeth? Um, okay, sure. I um, Mine was more of passion for marketing. I knew at a very young age that I wanted to work in marketing. Um, and so I had the opportunity to get an undergraduate degree in business, get an MBA, um, work for a couple different companies in marketing. But when the opportunity came to work for McDonald's, I jumped at it. And I jumped at it because it was a brand that I grew up with. I was that little kid whose dad took her to McDonald's every Friday night as a treat when he was coming home. Um, I was also that little kid that my parents got mad when we drove down the street and they saw a McDonald's marquee because I was a person who was like, French fries, McDonald's, let's go. So I was that kid. I've always believed in the brand and, um, and always been a strong user of the brand. So it was natural for me to come work for McDonald's. Got it. And what about you, Vicki? So for me, I would say um, I started out as a marketing um, person. I was actually VP of marketing at um, Sara Lee. And um, then I caught that entrepreneurial spirit and said that I wanted to do something that would bring me to an industry that cared about the community, provided jobs for the community. And when I say community, for the African-American um, community to be able to hire young people, provide them with an opportunity. And so my husband and I are in the business. So we looked for a company that has been iconic in the community. And that was McDonald's. McDonald's mm -hmm. is on every corner in every demographic of this country. They are a very demographic brand. Um, we have approximately 200 African-American operators and we serve the community. We give back to that community every day and being in the food industry, um, especially in 2020, we have been essential to being able to be open for our customers yeah. and to keep our employees working. Ooh, that's major. Very, very major in 2020. 
that's very inspiring. And just to kind of also know that childhood, you know, kind of connection that you have as well <laughs> with the brand, Elizabeth, I, that definitely leapt out for me. Um, I was definitely that kid too that was like, I, you know, I see the arches, I want fries, I want fries, I want a happy meal. So, <laughs> yeah, brought back some memories. Um, Vicky, in your 2019 Black Enterprise, um, a feature that you did, you said this quote um, reach back and find someone that you can help. You can look at a younger African-American woman who may be afraid to approach you. Every year, I find two or three young black females. I want to help and support them in any way that I can. That said, um, who are the people who reach back to help you and you know, along this journey? And also, what were like, the most important lessons that you learned from those relationships and mentorships? So for my career, I would say that there was three. Early in my career, it was um, the first time I ever had worked for an African-American um, boss, mm. I'll say. And um, that was when I worked at Johnson & Johnson. He actually um, noticed me, um, gave me the opportunity to go into management. Then a little further in my career, when I worked for Sarah Lee, there were two African-American um, women. I did not work for them, but one was um, head of our technology department. One was a vice president in marketing. Both of them gave me the opportunity to mentor me. In this role that I'm doing currently, um, there are two women that, um, that I need to mention because I ran for this role and I did not make it the first time. Mm -hmm. And I had actually given up and said, you know, apparently this is not what God had planned for me. However, two women, um, one African-American woman, uh, Marty Gillis, who was an operator in New York and another operator who was a Hispanic operator, Anna Madan. The two of them got together um, they called me, they convinced me to run and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, what I've learned is from the first gentleman that agreed to mentor me, he taught me to be politically correct. However, not very authentic because everything was just do it the corporate way. Okay? Yeah. Yep. Don't make waves and you'll be just fine. Yeah. Okay. The um, next two women they taught me how to hone my skills to make sure that whatever job I put was put into, make sure that I did it very well. I think the last two women have taught me how to be fearless. Mm -hmm. They said that you can do whatever you want to do. You have the skills to do this and to make sure that you come to the table and that you bring the skills that you have and make sure that you find partners, and Elizabeth is one of those, to make sure that we're moving the business forward. So I would say that all three of them taught me something different, but each one of them were very instrumental in me getting to where I am today. Wonderful. And Elizabeth, how about you? Your experiences with mentorship, tell me about those. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Um, so over the years, um, I've had the opportunity to work at the Coca-Cola company and Kraft Foods. And so you establish relationships with individuals that you've worked with that become your informal mentors or even formal mentor. But I will tell you, having worked at McDonald's for 16 years, 
I grew up at McDonald's um, during a unique time. I have grown up at McDonald's where we had a black CEO, Don Thompson, where we had a black chief marketing officer, which was Bill Lamar, um, where we had um, a black woman who was a vice president of global marketing, Ubangi Twin, or over one of our divisions, Debbie Roberts. So each one of those individuals have remained connected to me in some way, shape or form that I can just pick up the phone and ask a question um, if I need to, even if it's a simple question of, Um, Am I answering a question right or am I thinking through this? And so from a mentorship perspective, um, I feel as though I've had the opportunity to tap into some critical and key African-Americans who not only led McDonald's, but who are now off doing fantastic things in the industry that can still provide me with the guidance and mentorship moving forward. I love that. And I think um, a lot of times when I hear conversations about mentorship, it's it's very top level and kind of um, from a very... Uh, you know, handheld guiding perspective, but a lot of times it's just as important as having someone to call, having access to that. And I think that's so, so crucial. Um, So ladies, I think we talk a lot about leaving a legacy um, just in at Essence. And we have these conversations, you know, amongst colleagues a lot and even on the podcast. And um, I want to, I think sometimes the term it's often you know, applied to entrepreneurs, but as each of you have climbed this ladder, I think uh, you, you're definitely leaving a legacy, if I may project. <laughs> and um, can you kind of talk about what you hope your legacy will be at McDonald's and um, what advice do you have for people working in these corporate spaces for leaving their own legacy? Mm-hmm. like question marks coming like you're thinking Elizabeth (laughs) Vicki you want want to take this first (laughs) sure I will so um for me as I said I was the first um person of color first African-American to ever um head up OPNAD to be chair of um OPNAD so the legacy that I want to leave behind is that um you should be elected based on your qualifications. I also want to leave the legacy that I moved the business forward, that I have uh, made sure that we got into key areas such as digital, that um, we've taken it from where it used to be, where good old mature operators like me, okay, (laughs) can turn it over to the new young millennial operators that's going to take us for the next 50 years, um, that we will remain um, iconic um, in the next years coming as we have been iconic for the last 50 years. Mm -hmm. Also, the legacy is for us to always remember on the McDonald's side that we are a democratic brand, that we welcome every type of consumer through the doors and we are there to serve them and that we are very um, instrumental as small business owners um, in making sure that we give back to our communities every day. So my legacy is to remind every operator that we give back because the community gives to us every day. What about you, Elizabeth? 
Um, I would say a couple of things that I, I really want to make sure that I'm leaving as a legacy. Number one, um, I want to make sure that I'm leaving a legacy of having empathy for the consumer and that we are truly guiding our work um, at, by what the, the consumer wants and needs. And that means that we have to see every consumer. We can't just see one or two. We've got to see the humanity in every single consumer that we are attempting to serve. And so that's one of the legacies that I would love to leave and that I'm uh, attempting to leave. And then the second thing is the legacy of people, um, meaning the people that I have worked with and as a team member or a partner um, or who have worked for me, I want to make sure that people see the talent in them so that they can continue to drive McDonald's forward um, and that they don't just see it as Elizabeth, but they see it as um, what am, the, the individuals who will still be here for years to come that can move this forward and that they see that, that, um, that good that will come out of people. So those are the two things that I'm focused on. Wonderful. Um, so of course, uh, We've kind of lightly touched on this. There is a pandemic happening. We're sheltering in place still. We're still virtual. Offices are closed. Um, needless to say, 2020 is uh, it's one for the books. <laughs> so um, I think this year, from what I've gathered, is very much about transitioning and, and adapting quickly. So we can you kind of both get into maybe a situation that happened this year where you were expected to adapt quickly and be very nimble and agile and um, what did you learn from that? For me, it was a little different. So for the, um, I just moved into my new role in November of 2019. Um, so I really was just gearing up to, to take this new role by charge um, at the beginning of the year. Um, but I think something that has happened in the past two years that helped me get through this probably faster um, is that I took on a role about three years ago that was on um, called McDelivery. And it was McDonald's in terms of how we were increasing our access to consumers through home delivery. So I had to jump in with working with Uber Eats, um, which is a company that works as a, a, a more of a startup versus McDonald's, which has been in place for you know, more than 60 years. And I had to learn to work very fast, be very on the front of what consumers want. So when COVID happened, it was an easier transition for me to move my head into that space of being nimble um, and working fast. Um, but I didn't know how fast I was going to have to work until COVID happened. Um, what I have learned and what it what has happened is that um, I have to have more of a listening ear when it comes to the consumer and when it comes to the individuals that I'm working with. Um, and so that means that I may have to slow down a beat. So that I can truly ask that quick that question um, to understand what's going on and then be able to move. Um, but I think that it, it I was prepared for this when I it, I was working on delivery a couple of years ago and then just moved into this role. And what about you, Vicky? <laughs> so 2020 has definitely um, been a eye opener and a um, year that has made me think about um, myself. And also me thinking about how I'm going to or would have to communicate with um, um, with the operators. Typically, we have face-to-face -face meetings. Um, we're able to present on stage. You can kind of look out at your audience, see the expression on their face as to whether or not they're buying what you're selling. Okay, <laughs> I'll say. Well, hopefully um, we're giving you, a, you know, we're giving you some of that. Right now. Yes. So, <laughs> But everything was virtual. And when you um, think about the um, number of um, operators in the McDonald's system, 
Um, it Most people think that, okay, that I would just say that this is what we're going to do. We vote on it, but it's not. Every operator has to, we present programs, we present commercials of what we see that we think is going to drive the business. They vote on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually, the night before the vote, you can go to the bar, you can talk to people one-on-one. Now everything is virtual. Yeah. So I had to learn to be able to say that um, this job, I had to call people on the telephone, talk to them. So I had to give up a lot of personal time to say that for me to um, be successful in this role, that I had to get out of my comfort. Everybody thinks that I'm an extrovert, but I'm really a truly an introvert. Okay, So I um, learned that communication um, is the key to everything, whether you're face-to-face or whether you're on the telephone or whether you're sending that text or an email. Um, People want to be communicated to. They want to know what's going on. And they will help you if you just ask for help. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I have learned is that everyone has um, their own hangups. But for the most part, even in my restaurants, I have learned that when we ask our crew to come in and um, during a pandemic, mm-hmm. that if you ask and you explain to them and you make them as important as the situation that you're dealing with, people will stretch out their hands, they will help you, and they feel good about it. And for me, that has probably been the most important thing is that you can do this by just asking for help. Mm -hmm. Mm, Words to live by. Um, So for the many Black women out there who are climbing this corporate ladder and, you know, they're, they're trying to get, you know, get to where you women are and, and achieve this level of success. What advice do you have for them? If so, when I think about any any um, woman, whether you're African American um, or or anything, as women, you have to make sure that um, you are willing to take risk. And I think for females, that is always the biggest thing. A lot of times we take the safest jobs or the safest assignment because we want to do well. Yeah. I say the biggest thing that I have learned from um, one of my mentors is go for the job that is probably not the safest job that provides the most reward and the best outcome for your company. Companies are looking for people that can move their business forward, um, whether that is putting more um, revenue on the books, whether it is um, looking at how do you bring the best talent into the organization. So don't be fearful of taking those hard jobs. Take the ones that are, that's going, that someone at the top is going to say, you know, Elizabeth did a great job in that job. And uh, that's who we want on our team because they are going to take us to the next level. Mm -hmm. I love that. So so discomfort is, I mean, that's a good thing. 
What about you? Yeah, and I love where we, where Vicky was going in terms of taking risk, um, because what I've seen is that most um, younger people will come into an organization and they will be full of gusto. They'll feel like their voice is the one that counts and they want to tell you everything. And then they meet that one roadblock and they may be pushed back a little. They may be tapped on their hand a little and they kind of retreat yeah. and they don't come back out to attack it. And so my and so I love where Vicky was going in terms of taking risk. And my advice would be, you are going to have failures. You may take risks and you may not be successful, but you still need to get up and you need to show up and you need to make sure that you are doing your job. So don't retreat back. And if you are retreating, learn fast and then come back out swinging. And, and that would be my only advice. Don't retreat, come back swinging. Good advice. <laughs> Good advice, both from both of you. So we are coming to the end. Um, and I have to ask, uh, I like to end a lot of these interviews with these two questions. The name of the podcast is called Unbossed. Mm-hmm. And um, if you could tell me what the word unbossed means to you, and then tell me about um, a woman who you think is unbossed, who we should all know about. Um, Elizabeth. <laughs> Um, so I think Unbossed is about being unapologetic, being unapologetic Black woman um, and being fearless. Um, so that's what I think of as Unbossed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and no matter where you are in the stage of your life, but as you are are, um, are growing, it's about being unapologetic and being who you are. Um, so, and, and, I'm, and I hate to go back to this. Well, I don't hate to go back to this. I do want to go back to this. Um, Vicky enables that. She embodies that, excuse me. Um, I've known Vicky, you're right, for a long time. Vicky, I worked with early in my career. So I've actually seen Vicky grow in her career. And the way that she has been a champion of the owner operators, the way that she has been a champion of consumers, um, and the way that she is, has the courageous conversations. Because she's had some courageous conversations with me where she has told me that I have been doing things wrong. Um, but she's also had some conversations with me that she's had. Wait, hold on. Never wrong. She no. never does not it wrong. wrong. Not she wrong. just not do wrong. it a better way. Yeah, just a, you're absolutely a better yes. way. And so she she does enable, she embodies everything that you were talking about in terms of being unbossed. Um, because she, she and I can't sing her praises anymore, but um, she definitely is one of those women. So, Vicki, I will pass it on to you. I love it. (laughs) So for me, when I think about being unbossed, I think you've reached a point in your career, no matter where it is, that you have honed your skills, that you're able to lead a team, that um, you don't have to go to a boss to ask them which direction should you go in next that you are very confident in yourself, that you have become the boss of the project that you are leading, that you no longer um, have to say, am I on the right path? Because you know that what you're gonna produce and lead that team, that it is going to be best, the best outcome for the company or the corporation or for that project. That's what it means for me to be unbossed. And I'll just say this to, uh, to Elizabeth. Um, being unbossed for me is to be able to go to people and to say that you are better than you ever thought you were. 
and don't let anybody ever tell you that you're not, that you are your own champion. If nobody else tells you that you're good, you get up every day and tell yourself that you are the best that you can be and you're going to deliver the best work that you can. That's why I like her. <laughs> you guys are and so I learn from her every day. I learn from her every day. It. I love it. I love seeing yeah. that. So I take it, Vicki, Elizabeth is, is your own boss. Your own boss woman. <laughs> um, thank you, ladies, so much. It's been amazing. Um, not just, you know, probing and asking questions, but just seeing you two work and, um, you know, love on each other. And I think that's so important for your colleagues. And um, we see our, our coworkers and our colleagues more than our families sometimes. So yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful to see how you guys work and how you support one another. I think it's really beautiful. Um, for anyone out there who wants to learn more about all the amazing work that you guys are a part of, um, where can we go? How can they find you? Yes, most definitely. Um, if you would like to learn more about McDonald's, there's two places that you can go. The first one is McDonald's.com. It will tell you all of the information you would like to know about our brand overall. But then there's also a place that we've dedicated that really focuses on Black excellence. Mm -hmm. And it's on Instagram and it's called at We Are Golden. Um, and that is a place where you can see Black excellence and learn about the work that McDonald's is doing within the community. Obviously, I want to go to McDonald's.com, but I really want to go to that one too. So. Yes. Marquita, thank, thank you. you. Just always remember, nothing happens unless you reach back and help someone else. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen. Hey guys, don't go anywhere. There's more Unbossed coming up next. Hi everyone. I'm here with Mary Blackford, founder of Market 7, Cassandra Lewis, a brand manager, Pinesall and also Shante Mears Watkins, Vice President of Marketing for Pinesall as well. How are you ladies? It's great to be here. Doing well. Doing great. <laughs> you all are beautiful. How are you doing, Mary? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Um, obviously, I'm excited to talk to everyone, but I think we're all very thrilled to, you know, be here in this space with you since you just got this amazing opportunity. So without further ado, um, Let's kind of start things off with um, your experience. So once again, congratulations, Mary, on this major win. Um, I think we can all just only imagine what this legacy grant will do for Market 7 and, of course, those in the D.C. community. So before you were a grant winner, what was the moment that you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur? And also, where does this desire to create an impact and a legacy really come from? Yeah, sure. So I uh, started my first business when I was 16 years old. Uh, when I was in high school, I was in a program called uh, the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. And it was a program um, that was partnered with our high school that provided curriculum for uh, high school students as well as middle school students as well to start businesses. And they gave seed money to 16-year-old students to start businesses. And I was hooked. Um, from the first day because I saw how dynamic it was to actually create something and then be able to really uh, have value in a product yeah. and then be able to make money that could be really dynamic at the time. I didn't grow up. I grew up very humbly, very humble beginnings. And so that uh, income was very transformational in my life. And I looked around in my community at the time and I was like, huh, if we all could do this, 
uh, what a difference it could be. And so I became enamored with uh, business and small business in particular that could be transformative in community. Um, and I wanted to go to school and study that. And I did. I went to Babson College, which is like the number one school in the world for entrepreneurial studies, because I knew I wanted to get knowledge and bring it back to my community to help more small businesses really make a deep impact. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And also 16. Like, <laughs> congratulations. I mean, when I think of myself at 16, I, there was definitely a lot of direction, but like to be entrepreneurial minded at that age says something to your character a lot. So kudos. Now uh, for Cassandra and Shantae, ladies, um, you both are clearly in these amazing positions to be stewards of an initiative that uh, creates opportunities for independence, wealth, and of course, community impact. How have you been impacted by this specific process and has it reshaped your like whole perspective of legacy building? Yeah, I think in um, in particular, uh, this particular initiative has been incredibly fulfilling uh, per personally and professionally. Um, I, like many other Black women, grew up with pine saw as a staple in my household, like thinking about the Saturday morning clean with mom and grandma. <laughs> um, and, you know, Black women have invited pine saw into their homes, uh, integrated into how they care for their families and love their families. Um, so when we think about that position that we've had in our in the Black community, it's something that I celebrate and I honor. And this type of program is our way of doing that. Um, so when I think about anything that I work on, I always want to make sure that I honor that that legacy um, and honor the the people who who love us and support us. So um, that's how this initiative has, has shaped that for me. Mm, wonderful. I've been I've been a leader at um, at the organization for a number of years, and one of the things that uh, I feel really proud about in my position is that I'm able to lift as I continue to ascend um, in the organization, and to be able to uh, influence the, the, the creation of this grant to go to a black female entrepreneur um, that's serving the community is hugely rewarding to me. Um, to be able to see you know, other black women in my company um, like Cassandra to continue to excel and to be able to um, be able to put their stamp on uh, on the business is, is it's, it's why I do what I do. So um, it makes me really proud to see you know both of these women here uh, at this moment. Hmm. Um, for all three of you, um, I gotta ask how how have your past career experiences and I guess even life experiences prepared you for where you are at this moment and the stage of your career today. And um, if you wouldn't mind, can you give a little insight about you about how you each have navigated, you know, through your careers? Um, do you want to start? I'm seeing these heads nod. Uh, Cassandra. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, I kind of took a securitist path. Um, I uh, thought I was going to be a writer in undergrad and. I remember I took a creative writing course with a very famous author, and uh, I actually used some of the advice she gave me when I navigate my career in, in business and corporate America. And one of the key things she told us was, as a writer, you're going to use your life experiences to inform the stories you shape. So there's going to be times where you just need to make decisions that don't really make sense. And if I interpret that, it's making decisions that um, provide opportunities that push you outside of your comfort zone. 
Um, because if you think about it, when you're reading a story, if you read about a protagonist who's never had any sort of adversity, never done anything that's out of the box, it's kind of a boring story. Yeah. Um, so when I applied that to my career in like looking at choices, so should I do the thing that's most comfortable or should I do the thing that's going to push and stretch me? I always go towards the thing that's going to push and stretch me. Um, and, and then the second piece, um, it, it's kind of part and parcel of that is um, I always make sure that I have a strong support system and try to build that. So I work um, I work as a mentor to other people and I always seek mentorship. Um, so when you're pushing yourself into these positions that are uh, not comfortable, you don't have to do it alone. There's always going to be someone who's done it before who can help, you know, show you the way and, and uh, understand the things that you're going to come up against. So I would say pushing myself out of my comfort zone, but also making sure I have a good support system to help navigate it. Ooh, wonderful. That's great advice. How about Mary? What about you? What do you have to say? Yeah. So, uh, again, my genesis comes from being just 16 and being really ambitious about entrepreneurship. But then some of that also is just coming from a community that is always kind of needing an extra uh, bit of service. And so our community for a long time has been underserved and we've always had to kind of make a way. Um, and so taking that innovation into entrepreneurship and really digging down into why we aren't getting some of the services that we need. When we think about Market 7 and our development, we uh, for a long time just didn't have a grocery store. Uh, we didn't have a viable grocery store. And in Ward 7, uh, there are 150,000 uh, residents in Ward 7 and 8 in the district. And there's only three grocery stores where we have wards in D.C. that have up to 10 grocery stores. Um, and Ward 7 and Ward 8 are filled with African-Americans, predominantly African-American communities. And when we see the long legacy of discriminatory practices against our community, like redlining and economic disenfranchisement, we see very quickly that our communities were put in positions where we weren't able to access uh retail that would be viable for our community and bring healthy services mm -hmm. and products. Mm -hmm. So um, my work has been around a lot of advocacy um, for said community, going to council and asking for things, being in community with entrepreneurs that are trying to make a change in urban farmers, and then coming together, uh, practicing cooperative economics. Like I saw when I went to Ghana and taught, and they have like centralized marketplaces in their community. And I was like, you know what, well, we can do something very similar here. So my work just going to Ghana and teaching and seeing how entrepreneurs come together and make marketplaces, being here and seeing the level of advocacy that's needed for these things. Just the combination of all of that work has really brought me to this place of saying, huh, I'm going to be a social entrepreneur and make viable change in my community regarding food and retail in a community that doesn't have. Wow. And I definitely have some specific questions about that coming up in a minute, because that just everything that you're doing, just it's so inspiring and just timely. I mean, it's, it's been timely for a long time, but it's like right now it's so needed. Um, but Ms. Shantae, um, yes. tell me, <laughs> tell me about your experiences and, um, you know, what's led you to this place? Yeah. So I think if you, pro if you talk to my mother, she would probably tell you I was an exhausting child because I had this um, habit or personality flaw, whatever you want to call it, of um, really questioning limitations um, pretty early on. And I uh, despite, you know, humble upbringing and not necessarily having um, all of the role models that would t show me what it looked like to be a black female executive in a Fortune 500 company, um, I continued to 
like just see big things for myself. Um, and so I always questioned limitations um, and it's carried me over into the corporate world. World, I have, you know, been in the corporate world for decades and have never followed behind someone who looks like me in a role, right? So I've had to bring my own flavor to it and, and oftentimes push upon other people's perspectives or uh, what they thought my limits were. Um, and so this, you know, again, personality flaw or, um, or difficultness as a, as a trial really served me. <laughs> it really served me. That's right. That's right. So, you know, the message I would have is, um, is when you step into an opportunity, uh, whether again, it's in the corporate world or an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial world, like you got to do it the way that you do it. You can't do it the way that the person before you did it or before the way someone else says it can be done. It's got to come from the heart. Um, and then for those of you who out there who may have children who are questioning those, those boundaries, just know sometimes it leads to, uh, it, it leads to great things as they grow up. personality. <laughs> That's I I love that and also I think there's a kind of a bit of a stereotype with a lot of people entering corporate spaces that you can't do that it's all about you know fitting into the space and kind of fitting to the mold so Mary uh, this whole initiative that is Market Seven um, like I was saying earlier it's just brilliant and I'm so excited for you and and the community um, it's a seven thousand square foot food hall to help alleviate food deserts. And like you were saying, it provides tools for sustainable living and all of that. Um, the food hall will also feature food from all over the, uh, all over the world, correct? All over the diaspora, the African diaspora. Yes. We'll yeah. have foods from Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas represented in the food hall. Um, can you kind of dig into also what's What's the importance of serving your community while also supporting Black-owned businesses and, of course, across, you know, the diaspora? Yeah, so for us, uh, it's a matter of health. Uh, we, our work kind of sits at the intersection of sustainable health and sustainable economics. Mm -hmm. And when we look at some of the issues that we have in our community facing health, which have become very front and center now with COVID, right? As yeah. we are affected the most with this um, whole outbreak, uh, we see that there's a direct correlation between the retail, the food retail that is available in a community and the actual health of said community. What we see in Ward 7 and Ward 8 across the river and see is that people are dying up to 16 years earlier from things like diabetes um, and related sort of diseases. And these are things that could be solved in part or all together through a change of diet. But when we don't have access to things like sustainable grocery stores, healthy grocery stores uh, that are really your first uh, health centers of your life, right? What you put in your body is your medicine. Um, but when we don't have said medicine, then you see things like that occur in our community. People are dying at alarming rates. And so um, I work very diligently uh, with community partners to make sure that we are actually working with Black businesses in particular, because Black businesses don't get so much access. One thing that we talk about in D.C. too uh, is gentrification. And a lot of times think of, people think about gentrification of housing, but there's also a mass gentrification of uh, commercial real estate as well. Yeah. A lot yeah. of small businesses that would in other, um, in other systems be able to 
resolve some of these like systemic issues, um, not get the opportunity because they can't afford to be here. And mm-hmm. so we are kind of alleviating that through a cooperative economic model where businesses can come together as in one space and share some of that, mitigate some of that risk regarding costs and construction and things like that. Um, and of course, with the inception of this grant, um, can help mm-hmm. with production costs and things like that for entrepreneurs to give them a fair shot of solving systemic issues within our communities um, ourselves. Um, Because one thing that I think we fall victim to a lot of the times in our community uh, in Ward 7 is that we were waiting for a big box to kind of come and uh, save the day. And that was not going to happen because our area medium income was too low. And they were saying, well, that's the reason why we're not getting a grocery store here. And so if we were to continue to wait, the only thing that will remedy that is if the tax basis went up in the community. And that would essentially gentrify the community and we would all have to leave. And so that's why it's so important for us to really empower our businesses to be in community and solve some of these issues ourselves so that we don't have to play by someone else's rules and get moved around by institutions that really aren't serving the people of the community. And so we uh, think it's essential that Black businesses always become part of um, our community development strategy. And so that's what we're doing with Market 7. Wow. And also a great point about just gentrification and the commercial real estate. It, obviously, like we see it, but it, it often doesn't get really spoken about, you know? It's like the quiet storm. Yeah, yeah. So Cassandra and Shante, how important is community impact to you and all these wonderful initiatives that you support? Um, You want to take it away, Cassandra? Oh, sure. (laughs) Um, What led us to do this particular program was we were you know, we're a household cleaner looking for ways to show up for our, our, our consumer, the, uh, the people who buy us, um, in, in more than just that. And uh, what we saw was uh, we were seeing facts. Black women, fastest growing group of entrepreneurs. You look at women like Mary, super inspiring. Black women are out there starting businesses, growing them. Yet we also are the least funded. Uh, that's the paradox there. So when we saw that gap, it was a clear opportunity for us to step in and try to help bridge um, bridge that particular gap. Um, so when we think about doing similar programs in Pine Salt, community impact is always going to be of utmost importance for us. And we'll always look for, for ways to fill, fill gaps there. Hmm. What about you, Shante? If I think about myself as a consumer of any product, like there's so much information now that's out there that you can use to help you understand, you know, is the, uh, are the brands or the products that I choose to affiliate with, are they doing good in the causes that I care about? Um, and so I think it's just become more and more important as business leaders that we find ways to connect in a, you know, in a real way um, with the communities that support us. So I, I see it very much as a virtuous cycle. Um, and really, it's, I, I think it's going to be what's required um, to be successful in the future and to really develop a deep relationship um, with, with, with consumers in the, in the, in the world. Mm, wonderful. Um, so let's, let's change pace just a little bit. Um, I want to talk about this grant, this legacy grant specifically. And um, for Mary, I think um, for most people who know me and they listen to the show. Um, I've gotten, <laughs> even my producers, they love to tease me because there's always a moment <laughs> when you realize that I want some hard numbers, you know, I want, I'm, whether I'm, you know, specifically asking like, okay, what was your salary? What was this? What, you know, uncomfortable questions, but essential questions and conversations we need to have about numbers and money and all of that. Um, but for Mary, um, 
now I know that you may still be in shock about this win, um, but what are your plans with Market 7 now that you've been awarded this legacy grant from Pinesaw? Um, and also, how do you imagine this changing your business and your future? And specifically, how much is that, you know, how much is that win again? <laughs> For those that don't know, I want to be reminded. <laughs> yeah, so um, Essence and Pinesaw have been so generous and have awarded Market 7 $150,000. Um, and that money, uh, we'll be going right into the community. Um, I always say that I have a community and a team of 70,000 people. That's how many residents are in Ward okay. 7. And so um, you are investing into 70,000 people getting access to food and sustainable retail in a community that has been underserved for quite some time. But more specifically regarding the investment, um, we are putting that into the construction of our food hall. We are building this from the ground. It's 7,000 square feet. So if you come to D.C. right now, 3451 Benning Road, you will see there are construction workers outside right now yes. um, putting <laughs> the foundation in the ground. And so um, one barrier to entry with food businesses in particular when doing um, build-outs is construction costs. Um, in these food halls, these stall spaces can come cost up to $50,000 to develop. And so this is going straight into those costs for each individual stall so that these businesses can have um, more help getting into this and it's not as expensive. Um, and the entrepreneurs, um, again, an, an investment of any kind, a grant of any kind in Market 7, you are investing in a, a team of 60 Black-owned businesses in the Washington, D.C. area. So it's not just me. It's, 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 it's several of us and 90% are women. Hmm. Amazing. Um, so Cassandra and Shante, uh, I imagine there are just countless entrepreneurs out there right now hoping for an opportunity like this to come around again. And of course, they're hoping to get these cheat codes from you guys. Um, <laughs> I got to ask, and I'm sure they want to know, what was it about Mary and also some of, the, some of the other finalists that really just won you over? Yes, we were looking at, you know, so many um, uh, so many submissions. There were so many great stories out there, so many, you know, great uh, opportunities that uh, our communities were looking to try to solve or so many problems that people were looking to try to solve out there. As we looked through those submissions, what was really important is that we, number one, got a sense of the business, yes, and what makes it work. Um, but the other part is, is we wanted to get a sense of the entrepreneur. Um, and I talked earlier about like how important it is that you put your heart into it. Um, and I think when you hear Mary talk about Market 7, like you can hear the heart in how she's, in how she's talking about it. And so it there were stories like that that really won us over, um, that helped us to supplement what we learned about the business itself with the story that the entrepreneur um, could tell um, and that, you know, a story that was uniquely theirs. And what about you, Cassandra? Yeah, I, I echo um, all of what Shantae said. And then also to add on to it, um, because, you know, I am a businesswoman, I was also looking for ideas that were cool and out of the box and innovative uh, as well. Um, so uh, Mary's like lots of passion and also really innovative idea that um, I think we can see in other places work really well, too. <laughs> you guys have been fantastic, and um, I wish I could keep you on for 30, 40, 50 more minutes, but I'm sure you ain't got the time. Um, so I got two final questions for all three of you. Of course, the name of this podcast is Unbossed. Um, can you kind of first give me, what is your definition of the word unbossed? 
What does unboss mean to you? And then just kind of briefly tell me about someone, uh, a black woman, dead, alive, or even fiction, who is unbossed and who meets that definition for you. I see a huge smile on Shantae's face. Yeah. <laughs> you want to tell me? So, yeah, for me, being unbossed is um, is doing uh, is following your heart and uh, doing the work in the way that it suits you. It suits you in your body, suits you in your soul, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, not fitting that mold, whether it's a corporate mold or an entrepreneurial mold. So that's what being unbossed um, means to me. Um, an example of a person I would say is unbossed. Um, it's another entrepreneur named Dorian Morris. Um, she's the CEO of undefined beauty, which is a CBD based, uh, line of beauty products. And Dorian, um, is just had a really fantastic, uh, really fantastic career. She's come up through sort of traditional consumer products and beauty training. And then there was a moment where she said, you know what, I can number one, do this on my, uh, on my own. Um, and I want to take a, a, a spin on it. That's uniquely me. So Dorian Morris, undefined beauty. I recommend you check it out. The packaging is beautiful. Um, and the products are amazing. Yeah. I love new, I get, I love also learning about new entrepreneurs. You know, my, I don't know. Maybe she might be in an episode in the future. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll dig around. (laughs) (laughs) Who's next? Who, who wants to go up next? Okay. I'll go. Um, (laughs) when I think about unbossed, uh, um, think of uh, a woman who's, you know, resilient when she needs to be resilient, has the grit when she needs to have grit, um, also has love, compassion, uh, and does it all under her own terms. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's hard to choose just one woman, uh, but I immediately think of, of my grandmothers. And um, I'll talk about my grandma, Celeloise. Um, She actually, when I hear Mary speak about her initiative, I, I get reminded of my grandma, Celeloise. So grandma had like this natural talent for floral design and interior decor. And she just turned it into a business one day, like in the early 90s. And she used to take her grandkids, me and um, my sister and my cousin out to help her. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was like witnessing greatness. Like she didn't go to school for any of this stuff, but like everything just came so naturally to her. Like she had her merchandising strategy. She knew what her customers liked. She knew how to like put everything together. I mean, she was running a startup before startups were a thing. Like she didn't have like Etsy or anything like that. So she created like a catalog using Polaroid pictures. And like, I was like staging everything and she would distribute it to different churches. She knew what flea markets she had to hit. She knew how to like manage her profit and loss so she could reinvest in the business to grow it and then also pay herself. And I remember when she first started, um, we were like, okay, grandma's got this, this new idea. She seems to be having fun, but we don't know how it's going to go. And that first Easter, she went out there, she sold out of everything. And then some people were like, you know, Celoise, let me get your phone number. Let me get your card so I can call you up and like create a custom design for like my house and for like these different parties I'm throwing. Um, so when I think about unbossed, I think about, you know, my grandma, Celoise, and, and she was like giving me like a mini business training and I didn't even know it at the time. Wow. Black women, man. I just, I, I love it. I love, um, and also just at any age and any stage of your life, you can do something and that's amazing. And once you got the, once you have the church, good. Good for her. <laughs> what about you, Mary? Yeah, so um, being unbossed to me means uh, just having autonomy of your own freedom. 
um, and defining that for yourself and living in that and making your own way and your own path based on your own definition of what freedom means to you. And so um, one person that I just think, and there's been a lot of talk about her recently, but Harriet Tubman to me is just such a great example of having autonomy of her own freedom and defining that and making a path for herself through that um, at a time where worthiness of the black body was so diminished. Yeah. Um, she said, you know what? No, I, I am going to actualize myself. I know what freedom is and I'm going to pursue that. That is such a powerful marker to me. And that's something that we even struggle with today in the Black community. When I go into, um, I've gone into a lot of rooms with a lot of people who don't think that Market 7 um, is a worthy enough cause, um, does not think our community is a worthy enough community for several reasons, economic and otherwise, uh, mm -hmm. to tell me that, you know, I don't, I don't think people there would even buy into that. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to constantly fight for that worthiness and fight for that freedom for all of us. Um, when I read about Harriet Tubman and all of the work that she does, I just feel so empowered and I know that I can keep going. Mary, thank you. Thank you for fighting and, you know, and for going into those rooms very bravely because I know that can't be easy. You know, that takes a lot of courage. <laughs> Ladies, and thank you, Cassandra. Thank you, Shantae. Thank you all for um you know for your wisdom for your time because like i said i know y'all are busy <laughs> you've got things to do um and uh one final question um for mary where can everyone learn more about the work that you're doing you can go on at market the number seven dc again that's at market seven dc on instagram and twitter we have uh, a lot of our updates coming out through there. You can go learn just a general uh, amount of information about us on our website, www.market7dc.com. Um, and if you have any questions directly for me or the team, please reach out um, info at market7dc.com. Uh, and again, Twitter and Instagram at market7dc on Instagram and Twitter. So please feel free to reach out on any of those platforms and we are happy to provide updates. All right. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Congratulations again, Mary. Thank yeah. you so Congrats, much. Mary. <laughs> Good luck. Be sure to listen, download, or subscribe to more episodes of Unboss. You can find Unboss on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple listeners, please be sure to leave me a review and let me know what you think. Be kind, but be critical. That's okay, too. Don't forget to hit me up on social at Marquita underscore Harris underscore. Be sure to use the hashtag Unboss Podcast. I appreciate you. Thanks, guys.